Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. Well, you see, today I've got my Better Together shirt on. It doesn't say I've got it together. It says Better Together, because sometimes I don't have it all together. Anybody else? Well, it's interesting that walking through this, because when you have conversations with many people, especially Canadians, when they talk about spirituality, they talk about it as it's a personal thing. In other words, you don't speak to me about spirituality because it's personal. That's a personal thought, personal way of life, you know, different strokes. For example, even in the church, I like to pray openly. Some of you like to pray quietly, right? Some of you are very exuberant in worship, and some of you stand like this in worship, right? I mean, we all have different ways of doing things. Um, Some of you say, I like to pray in the church. Some of you like to say, I pray when I golf, or swear and then pray when I golf. You know? I remember talking to a man one time. I said, how come I never see you in church? He says, well, pastor, I only have Sundays off. And that's the only day you work. And I said, well, that's not true. He said, well, it's my only day. And I go golfing every Sunday. But you need to know that whenever I'm out there, I say, Lord, thank you for a beautiful day. Now help me with this shot. He says, isn't that wonderful? I said, how's it go? He says, well, not very good. I said, do you think God hears your prayer? He says, well, you say God always hears our prayer. I said, yes, he does. I said, but he looks at the intent of the heart as well. So we had quite a conversation about golf and and it didn't go well. Um, um, You know, all the different denominations we have out there. I want you to put up your hand if you were never in the missionary church when you first started going to church. Put your hand up. Look around. That's why we're the mishmashinary. <laughs> we're the mishmashinary. We have people from every walk of life. And some of you have never been to church before. I took a young man who was 17. And I asked him later, I said, how did you find church? Is that different than your experience? He says, I don't know. I've never experienced church, never been before. And that's the generation we're in. As a matter of fact, that's the word we have to bring these days and it's the lifestyle we live that people see. And it's, is it possible to grow in our faith individually? Yes. Is it possible to grow together is sometimes our struggle. And you say, well, if it's, if it's personal, then why do I need an accountability group if I'm dealing with an addiction? Why do I need a support worker if I'm struggling with alcohol? Why is it we need someone to support us if we're on a diet or a diet program and we work together? Why is it that we can do that in those settings, but somehow in our faith we struggle sometimes because we still think it's a personal thing? And now, if you're an introvert, you know what an introvert is? An introvert is is not shy. Don't, Don't get the two mixed up. An introvert is someone who has their thoughts and their actions inward. Some of you might be introverts. An extrovert is someone who has their thoughts and actions outward. I was never an introvert. I was shy at times, but I was never uh, an introvert. I was always an extrovert. 
I remember one time when we were in grade nine. Now, back in the day, in those when we had high school, the way it used to be, there was uh, there was different departments that you would go into. They used to call tech. Some of you grew up in tech. If you took tech, that means you were in the tech class. You took everything for technical. You worked on cars, you know, uh, transmission stuff. You did woodwork. You did concrete work. You did wiring. I specialized in electricity, electronics. Um, I thought one day, can you wire the seats in the church? <laughs> it was a bad day, and it wasn't a good thought. But when, when we were there, I remember in grade 9 English, we had Mr. Driediger. And Mr. Driediger uh, had us reading Shakespeare. Now, grade 9 guys who want to work on cars, some of those guys had been in grade 9 for like five years. <laughs> you know, their sleeves were rolled up. They had cigarettes under there. In those days, tattoos were like bad news. Now they call it body art, but tattoos. And this guy had a big tattoo, this one guy. And uh, he had been in grade nine five years. And he still didn't get it. Um, anyway, so Mr. Dieter, he said, okay, today we're going to read Shakespeare. I want everybody to stand on their desk. Now, isn't that a great teacher? It's like me asking you to stand on the seats, which I'm not about to do. All right. So he had to stand on our seats, and then he said, now act it out. Now, grade nine guys were pretty shy, but I wasn't. So I started, I just waxed eloquently as I'm reading this on the, from the desk, and he's standing there smiling, and the principal walked in. <laughs> and I just stopped, and I looked, and he looked at me, and this was the principal who used to be a boxer. He was about yay tall and his wife. And uh, in those days, they would take you to the, even in high school, this guy, this, I won't tell you what happened, but not to me. Anyway, I'm saying, I just stopped and I looked at him, and Mr. Greeter looked at him, and he said, this is the part where we're doing Shakespeare from the rooftop. <laughs> Principal said, oh, okay. And he walked out. And he looked at me and said, continue. <laughs> and so this extrovert started to go. So, so and then I started thinking, now as a believer, was Jesus an introvert or an extrovert? I think at times he was an introvert. He went 40 days in the wilderness by himself. He would get up early in the morning to go pray and never invite anybody to go with him. They would go looking for him to find him. Says Jesus, you know, are, are you an introvert? You always pray alone? Some say that uh, early risers are either farmers or introverts or introverted farmers. I'm not sure which, but... And as soon as they would find Jesus, often we read scripture where he would say, well, now that you've got me, let's go somewhere else. The crowds are coming, let's go somewhere else. And I thought, those disciples, there's something else. I mean, think about it. I think Peter, now do you think Peter was an introvert or an extrovert? He was an extrovert. Because we always see in scripture that Peter seems to be the one that wants to cut an ear off or, or do something. You know, he's, got, he's always out there. So he's the extrovert. Now, I'm trying to picture them on the boat together. What was Peter's trade? He was a fisherman. I grew up with fishermen. I grew up in a fishing town. Those guys are tough. They, those guys are tough. And, and, and so here's Peter, this extrovert. I can picture them on the boat, and he's the guy who's doing the jokes. He's telling fish jokes. He says, hey, how big is the fish that the one-armed man caught? You know, I mean, Peter's doing all this kind of stuff. He says, what do you call a fish without eyes? <laughs> See? 
So Peter's doing all this stuff, and Jesus is like, idiots. And he goes and he goes and he lays in the bottom of the boat and he falls asleep. Now I thought only an introvert would sleep when the party's happening upstairs. You know, and I started thinking about it. I thought, Jesus, were you an introvert? But then on the other hand, we begin to look at his life and we say, well, maybe at times, but maybe not. That solitude, you know, as an introvert, does that mean I don't like solitude? Or an extrovert? No, I like solitude. I like quiet places. I like to read the word when it's quiet. You know, you can't read the Bible and have the TV on. You know what I'm saying? There's times where we just need to shut down and focus in. Jesus did that, and the disciples learned eventually how to do that. And so maybe I can sympathize with an introvert a little bit, but maybe you're one of those people who feels like an introvert when your whole family isn't a believer, and you are. When everybody at work doubts you. You stand up for Jesus, you feel like a martyr. And then you feel isolated. You feel a little bit like an introvert, like you're on your own, and there's no sense saying anything because you're going to get attacked. And maybe Christians around you even don't want to grow. Maybe your heart's desires, I want to grow in Jesus, but the believers around you are not heading in that direction. You can feel isolated, all alone, and introvert. You can feel like nobody knows how you feel. And that's not true. But that's how we feel. And you say, well, here I am, I'm back at that point. It's just me and Jesus, just me and Jesus. It's all about my walk with him, just the two of us. Now, even though Jesus traveled alone sometimes, it seems, and he did these kind of things, when he came out of the 40 days in the wilderness, we know something happened. And you can read it in John, I think it's in chapter 2, where Jesus, when he comes out of the wilderness and we read the story, he grabs the disciples and he heads to a wedding. He heads to a wedding. Now, how many of you have been to a wedding where there's nobody else? Obviously, there's other people. You go to a wedding, and a Jewish wedding is not like our weddings. I had the privilege of experiencing some of that with you two, with Russell here. We had a little bit of uh, what it would have been like, but it lasted for days. Now, what happens when you have a wedding for days, and you only estimate enough drink and food, and you have too many people, and the thing continues to go on and on, you run out of something, and they ran out of what? Wine. <gasps> Jesus drank wine? Yes. Yes, he did. I, I, a guy gave me a book one time, and he said, you need to read this, Pastor, because it's very clear in this book why wine was nothing Jesus drank. It was just fermented drink. And I said, well, you know what? I've left stuff in the canning too long, and it gets fermented, and it smells like booze. You know what I mean? Like, like of course he drank wine. That's what they drank. I'm not talking about alcoholism, but they didn't have any wine. So his mother comes to him. What she said, can you make some wine? Hey, my time hasn't come yet. I'm not going to do that. Well, what are you going to say to your mom? You going to say no to mom? You got to say no to mom. So Jesus goes, all right, all right. And he does this. So he's in a large crowd and he cares about people. And so there's sometimes where we're introverted, we think in our faith, but yet extroverted, we need to be telling people about Jesus and be out there. Jesus preached to the masses. He healed the sick. He went amongst them. And even when that storm took place and he came out from under that boat, he showed them what faith is like when he said, be still. He says, you have little faith. And I want to tell you, we are not to be a people of little faith. We are a people of great faith. Because we have a great God. And so we step out in great faith. 
You say, well, I'm an introvert. I don't share. I want to tell you, God wants to change us from the inside out. And the sharing has many forms to it. And so the Bible is clear that we have instructions from him about individuality, but also community. The value in community. And that is the strength that the body has when we're one together. And the concept comes from Scripture. As a matter of fact, when we read through the book of Hebrews, I didn't count how many times it said, let us. Not let us, like let us, you know, eat it. Let us. Can you say that? Let us. Right. So let us, us being plural, means all of us together. And so the, the, the author of the Hebrews is clearly stating the importance of unity togetherness. And sometimes I think we've lost that. That we think we're into a solo sport instead of a basketball game where we need the team. If you choose to walk by faith and you do it alone, I want to tell you something, you're missing out. You're missing out. Man, oh man, I, I was enjoying the worship today. It was awesome. Thank you. It was great. Oh, your mic fell. It was awesome. <laughs> you're really short when you're playing. <laughs> um, and if you're short, I, I'm not saying anything against that. Someone told me one time, he said, just because you think you're tall, don't think you're better than anybody else. I haven't even said anything. And I said, well, what do you mean? <laughs> to my mother. Um, I used to put my, head on, my hand on her head like this. <laughs> Nate, our son Nathan does it all the time to April. She doesn't like it. Um, but she's uh, very German, and she won't put up with it. So, um, but that's what she says, not me. Um, and so there's two benefits about unity and being together that we, we, we can't miss. And the first one, benefit number one, is by faith, and my faith works better together. My faith works better together. Clearly, it does. That's been my experience. I'm going to read to you from Hebrews chapter 2. And if you have it, you can follow along. Because we have to recognize what we've signed up for here, team. We have to see what we're really into. And this is what the author in Hebrews chapter 2 is talking about in verses 1 through 4. Sorry, I need a drink. Do you believe it's just been a week and how hot it was last Sunday? Like nobody wanted to go outside to eat. It was so hot. The hot dogs cooked by themselves. I mean, what a, what a change. Canada. Uh, Hebrews 2, 1 to 4. Warning to pay attention. Notice what it says. We, starts right off plural. We must, not let us, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received, it's just punishment, how shall we, that's us, escape? If we ignore such a great salvation, this salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard it. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. 
Now, it's really clear to me that when I said yes to Jesus, when you said yes to Jesus, it was not in isolation. It is in group. You personally did, but, 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 but. How many people were praying for you to come to know the Lord? Do you ever think about that? How many people have been praying? So I was listening to Carol. Carol said, we're supposed to pray for who? Missionaries. Missionaries. And thank you, Carol, for saying that. And thank you, Carol, that you're willing to actually sit down with a piece of paper. Now, for those of you who don't remember this or don't know how to do this, take a piece of paper and write a letter to someone. Now, you can get emails and texts and messages and on and on and on, all electronically, but there's something about a physical letter that you receive that's like, hey, they haven't forgot about us. They haven't, for they haven't forgot about us on the field. And it's so important that we recognize what we've signed up together according to Scripture that we must pay attention to that calling and the benefit that we can grow together. Let us hold firmly, it says in chapter 4, verse 14. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. And so if we profess it, we better hold on to it. And we better pay attention to what we believe. And know what we believe and why. Verse uh, chapter 4, 16. Let us then approach the throne of grace with this amazing confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Plural, 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 plural. The emphasis is receiving the grace from the throne, but it's together in order to fully receive. And, and, and that's what I need the most. There have been times here where, where I find myself kneeling at this altar and I'm praying and all of a sudden there's a hand on my shoulder and someone's praying for me. I don't know about you, but I find that comforting. I don't know about you, but I, I, I so appreciate that. I so appreciate when, I, when we have an altar time. We will today too, because God wants to do something today. God wants to stir up your faith. The fire within you, the Holy Spirit to be stirred up for the things of God. And so when you're being prayed for, if that's you, there are people who are going to pray for you. You're not alone. I mean, there are times you want to be alone with God. That's great. But there's other times you need that hand on your shoulder. You need someone to stand with you in that time of need. Hebrews 12, 28, 29. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, hallelujah, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and with awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And he will consume the things in our lives if we let him. When April and I went away, we went down on Sunday. We came back Wednesday. We were down visiting with her mom. She's 87. She's, uh, she's always been a firecracker, but her fire's not quite as cracking as it used to. And uh, so we had a good visit. But we stayed in this, this little motel. We usually stay with her brother and sister-in-law, Robert and Connie, but they're selling their house. And they, too, are in the process like we are. So... Um, they said, we'd love to have you, but you can't. So we stayed at this motel. Now, I don't know about you. This is me. Because I had so many issues in the past with sexual sin. And I'm talking about pornography. Um, when I walk into a, a strange motel, a strange room, anywhere, I pray. I pray over that room. Because I, I don't know what's happened in that room. And you say, well, why would your mind go there? Because of my past experience. And so I just pray over that room. And I forgot to do that. 
And then the second night I had this this dream, this sexual dream. And it and and I woke up from it and I I didn't say anything to April um, until two days later and I told her what it was. And she said, Rob, we'll just put that under the blood of Jesus. But that thing was hounding me. And I want to tell you something, that when it says God's a consuming fire, he wants to consume everything. And so I just came in this sanctuary and I got on my knees and I cried out to God. I said, Lord, these things are greater than me, bigger than me, but you're greater and bigger than all of them. You're the consuming fire. You consume every thought captive on the Christ. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Folks, we need to hold on to these truths. And there's times we do it alone, but there's times we do it together. And we need the power of God to, to hear others worship, to hear people. Now you say, I come to church, I can't sing. Who says you can't sing? Were you in a contest? You know, I've heard some of you sing, and yeah, you, you miss a note or two. But so what? The Bible says, make a joyful noise. It doesn't say do it on tune. But I want to tell you, sing. If you sing in the shower, sing. If you sing when you're driving, sing. Sing when you're in here, sing. Worship. Because you do not know. You do not know who's watching you, and it might speak into their heart. Chester, there's times where you come up here to pray, brother, and I listen to your prayer, and it stirs a fire in me. Because I say, Lord, put, the, put that fire you got in that man in me. The way she's worshiping her, he's worshiping me. There have been times when I, I used to lead worship all the time. And there's some people, man, I wouldn't look at because their face and their demeanor was certainly not in worship. It just didn't seem to be anyway. But I would look at April because April loves to worship. And I would just look at my wife and I would go, yeah. And I would start to worship and I'd be thankful in that. And when you share a testimony like Carol was, I, I asked Carol to share and she's like, oh, I'll just, I'll just. Babylon, I'll go all over the map. And I said, just show what's in your heart. Because it's the testimony Amen. that changes things. Because we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Amen. And every one of you in this room has a testimony. Even if you knew Jesus when you were like two or three years old, you said yes to Jesus, that's been your whole life. Hallelujah for that testimony. To me, that's the most powerful testimony there is. And you hear less back there doing the amens, right? I say amen to less. Because he's got a testimony. You go, wow, he was a biker. Whoa, he did that. Whoa, he did this. Whoa, he did that. But I tell you, he'd rather not have. He'd rather not have. And so clearly we need each other to give God the glory. Let us be thankful and worship God together. Let us be a church that stands up. Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. Why? So that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. We come together to praise Him. It's about Him. It's never about us. It's not about the church. It's about Him. And out of that overflows His goodness to us. Last Sunday, Dennis and Talitha May, some of you know them, came. And when he found out it was my last Sunday preaching, besides this Sunday, he said, I, we can come. We want to be there for the cake and the food. I said, you just want to come for the food. And he said, yeah. And uh, 
But Dennis, I've known for a long time, has been leading the men's ministry. He was at the Listable, our Listable Missionary Church, and now into Palmerston. He's been doing that for four years, I think. But I knew Dennis before he was a believer. Talk about coming together in our life group. Dennis and Talitha would come. And Dennis was not a believer, but he would come. And he would listen to the Bible study or the video we would watch or just the discussions we'd have. And every once in a while, he, he just sort of held everything in and then he would say, but what about this? And he would ask these really tough questions. Don't be afraid of tough questions. You say, if, I, if I'm sharing this together in the room and other people are sharing, well, maybe they're smarter than me. Maybe they can say things better than me. Don't go there. You think, you think God can't use you? He wants to use you just the way you are. Just the way you are. And if it's not happy to him, he'll start changing you to make you more the way he wants you to be. And so Dennis, Dennis one day came to us and told us about a death in his family. And he was really upset. And uh, so Melanie, who was overseeing our group, it wasn't me, I was attending like April, she said, why don't we, without Dennis knowing, she says, why don't we go to the church and let's make meals for the, for the family for the funeral. Let's put the whole thing together. We'll do it ourselves. So we brought all our kids. Now include your families, folks. Better together includes children. They need to see it with us. Amen? It's not isolation here. So we brought all the children. We started making these meals. And I'll never forget the day, that, that next day when we had it all done. And we called Dennis. And he came in with his minivan. And, and he was just in tears. Why would you people do this for me? Jesus said, as much as you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me. We need to show the love of God together to others. And so love Wilmot, yes, but love people around you. Be for Wilmot, be for people. And, and when we did this, it wasn't much later, Dennis committed his life to Christ. That was a turning point. That was a turning point to praise your Heavenly Father. Make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. And it's impossible to love without Christ. We can do love, but not like the love of Christ. Because outside of myself, I fail over and over. I need strength in my faith, and only God can give me that. And I can be deepened in the crowd. Hebrews 10.25, And let us not neglect our meeting together. If you come to church occasionally, now, statistically these days, people are saying, I've been reading it, and, and I don't know if this is in Canada, but it could be, but it's in the States. People now, 30 and under, are saying, I go to church once or twice a month. And therefore, I go to church. And I start reading that, and you start breaking that down, and you think how many Sundays there is in a month, how many Sundays are a year, how many Sundays in a year? How many? 52? Okay. Wow, I go to church 52 times a year? <gasps> What's wrong with me? Oh, I go more than that. I go Sunday night sometimes. <gasps> I go Wednesday once in a while too. <gasps> so that's too many times. So I'm only going to go, I, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go once a month. Now, how many times do you go to church if you go once a month? Twelve. Twelve times. Twelve times that you might come together like this. 
That's not enough. I talk to people who say, I don't need to go to church anymore. The church hurt me. The church hurt me. I didn't like this and that. And some people have been really hurt in the church. I know that. I've been hurt by the church. But, but, I cannot step away from this passage and say it's all about me. So do not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another to come to church. People used to say to me, why do you go to church so much? Church is boring. And I'd say, it isn't for me. Every time I'm in church, God does something. Jesus says something. Something happens. Every time, because that's what I expect. Because how can I meet with God Almighty consuming fire and nothing happen? Show me in Scripture one place where God showed up and nothing happened. Show me in Scripture one time where Jesus showed up and nothing happened. Even when he went into Capernaum and he couldn't, he said, I could do very few. And Nazareth actually, very few miracles because of their lack of faith. But he still did some. Wherever Jesus shows up, something's going to happen. And so why wouldn't we meet together? Why wouldn't we encourage each other? Especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And I believe it is. Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah. And so I meet people who aren't in faith walking anymore. And I want to encourage them to join in. And not miss out. Second benefit, my faith finds fulfillment better together. Hebrews 4.14, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. The challenge is growing better together and my faith being stronger. Brennan, uh, Brennan Manning wrote this in his uh, book, The Rabbi's Heartbeat. It's a great quote. He says, we are not alone on the yellow brick road. You know what that's from. Traffic is heavy. Fellow travelers are everywhere. It isn't just me and Jesus anymore. The road is dotted. The moral, the immoral, the beautiful, the grungy. And the rabbi's word, of course, is to love each person along the way. And that means people sitting around you as well. I had a, a gentleman not here but one time say to me, why is it in churches we always do this, oh, now that you're all standing, shake each other's hand. Oh, I hate that. I said, why? Because I didn't come to do that. I said, oh, so you don't want to connect with people? No, I didn't say that. I said, what's well, a good way to do that? I said, when you shake somebody's hand, have you, sh have you shaken their hand, uh, you know, recently? He said, well, no. I said, then you're getting connected to people. We need to connect to grow in our faith together. And that's the journey we're on. And that's what God has called us to. So five things to think about. Recognize your individual is still important. You're still important as an individual. Your prayer time, uh, your journaling time, your listening to God, your obedience, repenting, confession, all those personal things, uh, that doesn't stop. Secondly, make an effort to make the worship service into conversation. Some of you come in late. Now, I'm going to address this because... Well, you can't fire me now. Um, <laughs> that's a crazy thing to say. Um, 
Anyway. Do not come late to church. People, me too. Do not come late. Now, sometimes things happen. I get that. I know sometimes the kids are like, oh, I want to kill them. You know? I mean, I get all that. I know car stuff happens. I get all that. But, 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 if you purpose to be late, you will always be late, and you might miss out on what God's got to do. Who says? Who says? The moment we start worshiping, the Holy Spirit doesn't move in this place and knock all of us over. Who says that God will pour the Spirit the second we start? Right on time. These worship leaders, this team up here, they work hard. They start on time. And this church has a bad habit of coming in late. Now let me ask you a question. If you've purchased a ticket for some great speaker or band or something, you, you make sure you're not late. If you have tickets for a Shakespearean play, when those doors close, they close. Now, I'm not saying we would ever do that. And don't think that if you come late, you're not accepted. Of course you are. But I'm telling you, church, this is a bad habit at Wilmot Center that has to change. And I mean it. You can be mad at me. You can do whatever you want. It's not going to change how I feel about it. It has bothered me from day one when I came here. I said to Pastor Wayne, why is everybody always late? Why do we start worship and there's like 20 people here? Like, what's going on? Do we not honor God? Do we not have a reverence to be in His presence? Like, I can't wait to get into the house of the Lord. I can't wait till they start that worship. I want to be right there on the edge of my seat. Ready to go. So if that's you, change it. Because it's so important that we make an effort to be here. And then afterwards, don't run out the door. Some of you can't wait to get out the door. Now, if you have an event, I get that. I mean, we all have stuff once in a while. But stick around and talk to people. This is a great church. We offer free cookies, unless we do the cookie offering. We offer free cookies. There's coffee. I love it around here. When I have to lock up sometimes, you people don't want to leave. I just say, I've locked the doors, turn the lights out when you go. It's awesome. But it's the front end, folks. We've got to get that different. So I pray the Lord helps us to do that. And I'll be saying the same thing when I go to Pembroke. Now, mind you, it's a smaller church. It might be a little easier. The point is this. Let's make it happen so that we, we don't leave evaluating the ushers and, and the music and, and the preacher and, and uh, whatever, whatever, whatever. Stick around and talk. Connect with people. If we're going to do better together out there, we better learn how to do it here. We can't do it out there if we're not doing it here. Thirdly, judge your experience at church through someone else's eyes. Oh, here's the key. Invite somebody to church. Now, typically in a church, this is us. Okay? Me too. Oh, man. Service was too long. Oh, the worship was too loud. Why aren't we doing hymns? Complain, complain. We go on on. Now, if you go through the eyes of a visitor, this is what they say. How is this message and what's going on here going to help my marriage that's falling apart? 
How is this going to help my kid who's addicted to drugs? They come in with questions that need to be asked and need to be answered. And if we're going to reach the world, we need to see church through their eyes. I read a great book called Unchurched Harry and Mary, Reaching Them in Our World Today. And it clearly talks about this. And so when you invite somebody, just recognize that those questions are there and you can do it together. During the week, find ways to share the word with others. At home, at work, at school, vacations. Don't do this. Some people do somebody else. I read this verse today and I just want to tell you about it. It's all about greed. I see that new car you're driving. Enjoy. <laughs> Don't do that. Do this. I read this verse today, and I thought it would be a blessing to you. Here it is. When we start doing stuff like that, things change. Fifthly, one of the best ways to deepen our faith is to pray with someone else. Pray, like I said earlier, our faith grows Follow up with the person. See how they're doing. Check in on them. April left you a challenge last week. I don't know if you heard it. Because I am going to wrap up. Worship team, please come. Um, she said, don't forget those who seem to be all alone. Don't forget those who are alone. Do you remember that? Does anybody remember saying that? Amongst the tears? <laughs> That's together and growing in faith. And finally, the exciting thing for me about being in the body of Christ is our history goes way back. <laughs> you know, it didn't start with us. It's old. I don't mean just as church. I mean the body of Christ. Growing together. The, the tears that have been poured over this property over the years, the tears that have been poured over this nation by people praying, tears that have been poured over Belize, over, uh, you know, Guatemala and El Salvador, the, the prayers that have been, and the tears over uh, the Czech Republic and, and, and Hawaii and all these places, every single place on this earth people have prayed for. And the tears have gone into the ground and it's time for the harvest to come. Jesus said the fields are white unto the harvest. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that the workers would go because the laborers are few. No, they're not, Jesus. They're right here. And we're willing to work together so our faith will grow better together. And so if we're going to do better together, we better learn how to do it all the time, wherever we are, because watch what the Lord will do as that happens. We bet the two, the three, the four, the five, the twenty would become one. The Dutch have a great saying, many hands make light work. Just number of children, I guess. I don't know. But many hands, well, I, I, don't worry. I went, uh, my kids went to Dutch school and they called me Van Gulliver and all kinds of stuff. So, um, what can I say? Um, but, but, you know, it's true. It's true. And I want to thank you as a church. The one thing, you know, I, I sort of went off a bit on you there, but... But I, I want to thank you as a church. What One thing I've really seen here over and over again is love. And when there's when we need chairs stacked or tables put out, you just jump in. When we need to place, I see the young people, I see sometimes uh, one, of, uh, one of your boys, <laughs> one of the white boys running around here with the thing, or other kids, cleaning up, helping. 
I love it. Thank you, church, for being that kind of church. That is a demonstration of the presence of God. That we love one another, we help one another, we encourage one another, we pray for one another, we're there for one another. Because that's what we're supposed to be. And it doesn't matter who's in this pulpit, by the way. As long as the individual is preaching the word and is filled with the Holy Spirit, that's what matters. But it doesn't change how we should behave. You agree? Let's stand. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that you are our Redeemer. And you have saved us and set us apart for such a time as this. And in our world today, we need to shine as lights, as salt. We need to be found, we need to be found faithful in the things you've called us to together. And yes, Lord, it is better together to know you, and to walk with you. But how many of us here have strayed in our knowing? Maybe you've struggled in your walk lately. Maybe it's been difficult for you. Maybe you've found it hard to say yes when Jesus is saying, please do this. Mm. I sense some of you here really struggle with fear. Fear of uh, being in a, in a group, number one. Fear of having to share, even some of you, fear of sharing what you believe. Some of you, that's not an issue. For some of, it, some of you, it is. You say, well, I am an introvert, Pastor. That's okay. But it can't be an excuse. For not doing what Jesus asked you to do. Mm. This is what I sense right now. Some of you have been called into ministry. Beyond what you're doing. And you have resisted. This is not the time to be resisting the Holy Spirit. It never is, but this is not the time. If you feel yourself in the dumps, if you feel, I don't have any strength to go on, I, I, or I'm, I just don't know what God has for, for me next, either in the group or by myself, I, I don't know. So if any of those things apply to you, I want you to come so we can pray together. Let's, let's fill this altar before our Father and just say, you know, I desire everything God has for me. I just desire everything God has for me. And you may, you may sit there and do that or you may come forward, but the thing is, as a demonstration of how we work together today, let's be willing, if you need to prayer, that others will come and pray with you. And we will grow in our faith together. Because someday I will stand before the throne of God as you will and we will give account for our lives here on earth. For every word that we have spoken. And believe me, the times I look back when I'm in this pulpit and I've said some things and I, I reflect on it and say, oh Lord, I don't know. That was more me than you, forgive me. Sometimes, folks, it's more us than him. And he wants it to be all about him. 
So if you'd like prayer today for healing, for strength in your relationships, for an open door to step out, let's give it all to Jesus today. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.